I'm Gab, he's Jules, blue skies over West London, bluer skies still over Real Madrid. Wow. Because you know what? Juanito was right. Yeah. 90 minutes is an eternity at the Bernabeu. We saw one of the most unbelievable comebacks. Um, Again. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about, talking about comebacks. Liverpool against Villarreal. Klopp compared it to Istanbul. Easy yeah, there, Jurgen. Easy, Jurgen. Come on. But still, a 2 nil. That was squeaky bum time. Um, so we'll be getting into that. We'll be getting into the chaos that is the Chelsea sale and Sir Jim. We'll be talking about Maradona shirt. Plenty of stuff. But there's obviously one place to start. So, Jules... Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Manchester City, 4-3 up from the first leg. Go yeah. to the Bernabeu. Yeah. They, they take the lead in the second half. Minute, minute. 89. Everything changes in the space of 60 seconds. Now, yeah. I don't think Manchester City dominated the game to that stage. But Real Madrid didn't create particular, very many no. chances. I think it was clear Real Madrid's... Ancelotti's approach. I know my Ancelotti a little bit was, okay... Where we're goal down, let's go in, let's keep it tight, let's not concede, and then let's wait for something to happen, and if it doesn't happen, let's throw the kitchen sink at them at the end. That yeah. was his game plan. Yeah. 1,000%, right? Yeah, but City um, got them where they wanted. City controlled that game for 89 minutes. They were not great. De Bruyne was poor. Um, defensively, Cancelo was poor as well. Uh, Ruben Diaz, even in midfield, apart from Bernardo Silva, really, who was outstanding. Yeah. The rest, and Carl Walker, who did a really good job on this, the rest But they didn't was, need to be much better because, no, because Real Madrid also, yeah. Yeah, and they were controlling the game. So they were exactly so what happened? where they wanted them to be. Then Mahrez scored a great goal. And then in the strongest moment of the game for City, then they considered those two goals from Rodrigo. For me, personally, Gab, I think Pep made a mistake with the Fernandinho substitution and taking off Mares, where Mares would have been very valuable to keep the ball, waste time. It would have been hard to get to get the ball off him without fouling him. He would have gone to the corner flag, all of that. Instead, you end the game with Rodrigo, Gundogan and Fernandinho, three defensive midfielders that you don't need to because you're in control. And instead, you drop 15 yards, you invite the pressure, they put a lot of bodies in the box and suddenly the crosses are coming. They're not defended because you don't even have anyone on the wings to defend them. And then you concede two goals where you make mistakes individually. Edison, Ruben Diaz, yeah, all of that. Where we're going to parse... But that was a bad substitution. Everything that might have been, but I think you have to start by giving credit to Real Madrid because... Massively. I mean, this is the, the legacy of the, the, the comebacks in this against Paris Saint-Germain, against Chelsea. Um, I think it was this was the ninth time, counting the league, that they've come back exactly. uh, this year, which is unbelievable. And Gilotti said that, oh... He showed a video before the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like a motivational tool there. Um, what I was interested in, he started the game, as I said, with, with Valverde. And then, what I think one of the keys to the game, in addition to Courtois and Benzema and whatever, yeah. but was Camavinga coming on, Rodrigo, obviously, Valverde running for, for 120 yeah. minutes. It was kind of like the younger guys. You know, we've always praised the unflappable veterans and so on, but it was these guys together with the veterans, obviously, and the incredible self-belief. At, at, at this stage, this is almost supernatural what happens. There is, there is some sort of force from that stadium that is unreal, that is something surreal that you can't explain, irrational. Completely. Casemiro was good. Some, somehow he ended up the game without a yellow card. I don't even know how that even possible. But you're right. I think Rodrigo... Yeah. Daniel Orsato, referee who likes to, to keep things running. And yeah, but it's funny. Well... Yeah, Laporte could have been sent off and so could have Casemiro. I'll say this, right? We saw a tremendous game. Just, just as a football fan, as, as a neutral. Um, judging from your shirt, I was probably a little more Dream neutral than you were. Dream the dream! 
<laughs> there you go. But I, I wonder if this was a game where as long as you're consistent, right? Yeah. And I agree yeah. with you. Casemiro could have had a yellow. but Maybe two. Possibly two with a different referee. But you, they let a lot of things run. Yeah. And yeah. I think that really made for, for a good spectacle. It made for the, for, for the tension that, that we saw towards the end. The Benzema penalty, you know those body language experts and stuff? Oh, look, his body language. I thought, if he misses this, they're going to say his body language is all wrong. He did, did not. Think? I, I don't think he looked confident. Did I looked you? like he was thinking. Nah. Maybe it was all a ruse. Maybe I should have believed in, in, in Benzema. I got to give a shout out as well. Um, because in that incredible ending, obviously there's the two Rodrigo goals. There's the individual mistakes. There was also, I thought, two actions which were just as important as the goals because without them, the game is not going yeah, to get started. Yeah, I know where you're going. And I'm going with Ferla Mendy on the line. On the line. And the, 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 the well, kick save off of Grealish. True, but the, the Mendy one, Grealish lacks a lot of composure because he, pass, he, he, he dribbles past yeah. without even doing it. We can blame Grealish. One. No, no, but Foden is there. I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't either see Foden or he's because he's he's, no. he's off balance. He can't maybe. But this is an easy tap in for Foden, and instead Mendy. Okay. But but I just wanted to also praise the defensive no, side of the game but, because, but Courtois because was one of the match for a reason. Yeah, you know no, the, the no Bernardo chance, the, the 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 Cancelo shot, the Grealish one. It was it was outstanding, and they needed him to be. Jules, you often like to talk about substitutions and how teams set up and how they change games. Sending on Camavinga and Rodrigo, yeah. those are obvious substitutions. Yeah, that's the one he makes all the time. They're the ones you make in this game when you're, when you're yeah. behind as well, right? I think we both agree what the game plan was. I said it earlier. You know, you start Valverde, you keep it tight. Um, also because you're very aware of the fact that, you know, you, there's no alibi at the back. It's Nacho Militao. Mm. And I thought Nacho was heroic. Um, oh, he's okay. overlooked in this game, and I really want to give him a shout out. Yeah, there's a thing for reserve center backs. Sorry, of course. Um, but you still have to have to make them to get that to get that lift. It's almost like you know what's coming, and Pep knew it was coming. Yeah, and I think these two guys really, really lifted. Um, the I team. mean, Kamavinga is 19 years old. He never played in the Champions League before in his life. For him. As a, as a super sub or as a French player is a bit too strong because he's more than a French player but, but you, you get the idea for him to be able to come on games like this or against Chelsea or against PSG with the pressure that that means because you are out when he comes on usually to, to turn the game almost and be decisive in his way so if you look at the game on Wednesday night obviously he's the cross for Benzema for the first Rodrigo goal but but, but everything else that he does, his awareness, the composure that he has, the energy, of course, he runs a lot. He's a strong boy. And for him to put out that kind of performance, and I know, I know he can't do it over 90 minutes now. That's why he doesn't start. Otherwise, he would, he'd be starting more. He often. could do it for 90 minutes, but he might lose concentration or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, not yeah. against City, though. I don't yeah, think he's no. ready yet. However, for 20, 25, it'll be more in this case with extra yeah. time. He's, he's perfect for that. And Rodrigo you know, is the same. You send Rodrigo on and you say, okay, go and do something special. You know, gamble on everything. Gamble on every ball. Gamble on every cross. That's, why, that's how he scores the first one. And the second one, if Asensio doesn't flick the ball by, you know, without wanting it, I'm not even sure Rodrigo hits it so well, the header. I'm not sure Mbappe is getting in the team next year. 
Um, you know what? Because I'm old and I remember things more from when I was a kid, I need different sports as well. And I get them all muddled. <laughs> remember that the, the Detroit Pistons had a player named Vinnie Johnson who, um, who always started on the bench. Yeah. He came on and he just lit a fuse under the team. It was kind of a slow burn of a team, and then he would come on, score a lot of points, and he's a great nickname, the microwave, right? Because yeah. it turns up the heat. I think that's a bit like Kamavinga. The other Kamavinga I point I want to make, I was that. watching on TV, the camera, for some reason, cuts to the sidelines to Clarence Seydorf uh, and Patrice Evra next to him. And I thought to myself, remember when you and Robbo were having the conversation about yeah, what Kamavinga could be you. like? You said Seydorf. Yeah, a much bigger, elongated, no, stronger Seydorf. Yeah. He said Kondogbia, which <laughs> I, is an insult, but it's well, okay. it's different types of, but but yeah, uh, crucial. I think if you're if you're a Madrid player, you get really really excited to say that, you know we've got this Compared. guy for the next not uh, for thirty million years. euros, by the way, a bargain, bargain. Um, on the city front, one guy, one turning, but you know you could point to different turning points in the game. Um, Kyle Walker, when Kyle Walker came off, it was still nil nil, but there's no question that. That was a big one, also as well as him missing in the first leg. Um, yeah. Kyle Walker gives you a defense. I don't think he's say, a phenomenal footballer, but he gives you defensive dimension, a leadership yeah. that you're not going to get with when you have Cancelo in that position. It's just a different Completely. sort of player. Um, and, and I think you're more, even as a player, you feel more secure. You know he's there. So you know if you're caught, for example, and the ball goes in behind, because he's Prince like Houston Bolt, he's going to get there. And we saw you, that in the first half when he, 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 he did that amazing tackle on Vinicius in the box for a corner. But well, this, is, this is your insurance. And when he's not there, you, he, you're not as secure. And I think Diaz and Laporte and all the others feel it. It's funny because when Walker came off, I thought, all right, Vinicius, it's all you now, right? Yeah. You're up against Cancelo. You're twice as fast as Cancelo. And Cancelo's going to get caught, right? Uh, but that didn't happen. If anything, Vinicius ah. kind of grew quieter. And I wonder, and again, I was watching on TV, not in the stadium. So I wonder if maybe at that point, maybe um, City didn't overcompensate a little bit to Cancelo's side uh, because of the Vinicius threat. Or maybe, maybe it was just that, you know, as an hour mm. of sprinting and maybe his legs had gotten a little tired too. I, I thought that could be the great point. Yeah, me too. Instead, it wasn't. Instead, it, was it turned out side. to be Rodrigo. Rodrigo against and the two defensive, um, the, I, I thought, the two defensive saves. Um, I want to I wanna mention, though, the fact, the individual errors, which ultimately undid them. And, you know, football's a low-scoring sport. I said this on the show last night. This isn't basketball where you have, you know, 70 possessions a game. And this is, everything gets magnified. Hmm. And I'm not picking on these people. And after the tension and everything of the Bernabeu, you will make mistakes. But Ruben Diaz for the first goal and for the penalty, he's not going to want to. He, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not going to want to think about and Edison that. as well. Edison as well, it's, certainly for for the first goal. Um, these things add up. I don't think Laporte had a great game either. No, Cancelo as well, not shutting down on the wing. Yeah. When you break down the individual performances, I mean, I thought Grealish did give them a lift and everything right yeah, until yeah. the finishing, which is a big which part is, of your game. Yeah, it is. When you cost $100 million. I know it's your first year at City, but you're not a kid anymore. No. You know, you're, what, 24 now? Yeah, and I think uh, he lacked a lot of composure on the, on the two chances that he had. But it's also, by the way, since, know, since we put so much stock into this and chance and happenstance, the Mendy goal line clearance, that could have just as easily 
come off of Phil Foden, who's standing right there, bounce off him. And yeah, completely. Goal, right? completely. So we need Very to recognize yeah, of course that it is. this really is a game of slim margins. And when we try to, we're doing this to try to understand what happened, not to point blame and say this guy, that guy, right? Yeah, 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 completely. It did feel at times that City were playing to control the game, and we're going to talk about Pep now. And to attack and to have the ball, but it was more to keep the ball almost and, and move the ball around more than actually trying to create something in attack. And I think at some point it almost looked like they were playing against nature in the sense that this is not what they do. Usually mm. they, they attack and they attack and they, they try attack. They to their lead. Yeah. yeah and, and instead they were just happy with the nil-nil first, then they scored a great goal. So, and, but my question to you is, was this by design or was this because Real Madrid actually defended quite well? Maybe a bit of both. Or was it maybe also because some key players had poor game? Bernardo Silva was outstanding. I think he would have been man of the match, my man of the match, if City had gone through. But Kevin De Bruyne, who we know is playing, he's playing with painkillers yeah, every single fair. week. But the man is, is injured. He should not be playing football. Exactly. Right? It's a big break. Um, he had a quiet game. I thought Gabriel Jesus had a really rough game. Really poor game. And again, maybe did he get carried away with... And, you know, we, we look at this and we evaluate it and nobody's going to plead poverty or have any sympathy for Manchester City because of all the money yeah, they have. Yeah. But I think there is, there is something to be said that after years of Pep Guardiola going out in semifinals, you said, what, six times in semifinals? Six times, yeah. The most we had the final last year. Oh, don't say that. No, no, Mourinho. it's true. No, you're having a gratuitous Pep, Pep is the it's one good. that's reached the semifinals the most, exactly. but he's also <laughs> the one that I've lost them the most. Um, I'm wondering, this was one game where he did not overthink it. He played... The best possible yeah. lineup at the yeah. start. Yeah. Oh look, what about the you know you know you know the the recognized striker brigade that I love so much. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there's Gabriel Jesus. He's your recognized yeah. striker, yeah. and he scored a lot of goals recently, right? Even tricked us with Walker because we thought that Walker might not be, should not be fit, and instead he started him. I've got an issue with the Fernandinho substitution, like I said earlier. The thing is, Courtois said on French television last night. He said as soon as we scored the first one, we could see the fear in their eyes, and we knew it was over. And. And I think the problem I have with this team is that Pep is teaching his players to control everything because he's obsessed, you know, the, the, he's obsessed with control of everything. So you control the game, you control possession, you control uh, your counter-pressing when you lose the ball, you control the chances that the opposition has, you control everything. The problem is, Gab, is that when you go behind, this is not according to plan because the plan is control. we control everything. Yeah. And I think once you go behind, they struggle because they're a bit lost. Okay, what do we do now? Do we still do the same? But we do the same when we are either in the lead or in control. We're not in control here. We're actually crumbling. And I don't and think they had the answer to it. I think that was very evident, especially once the game got into extra time where it's sort of the last 10 minutes. I know sending the center back up is part and parcel. You're chasing long balls. Yeah, yeah. I also kind of feel you've got these players. This is not how you score goals normally. If, if, this, if this is a quick way to get a goal, sending your central defender up, you would be doing this in the first minute, right? Yeah. Um, I thought let himself down a little bit there. Yeah. Doesn't change my view that you know Manchester City are one of the two best teams in the world. I think Manchester course, City yeah, are a better yeah. team than Real Madrid. And I don't think it means Pep is a fraud. It doesn't mean he bottles no, 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 it. It doesn't no, no. mean any of these things. No, but I tell you, every time they were behind this season in, in the league or in the Champions League, against Spurs twice, against PSG in Paris, against Crystal Palace at Leipzig, those games... They don't they, get back into it. No, 
That, that is an incredible it. stat. They and I think that's something that somebody that, that people should focus on more, I, I think. Because that, that is fairly telling, right? You've got the team of the remontadas exactly. versus the team that never comes back. Apart they don't go from be the PSG at the Etihad in the in the group stage and and another game, I can't remember which one. But they don't they right. don't win. They don't come back and win. Now, if I'm Manchester City, not Mansoor, because let's face it, he doesn't care. And probably not Khaldun, because he's busy with more important things. Yeah. Um, but if I'm Ferran Soriano, or, or even Chiki, do I take Pep aside and say, Pep, at the start of the season, we had a certain number of senior pros in the squad. And we were happy with the squad. Okay, We said, this is what we need. We tried to get Kane. He didn't come. And this is what we need Okay, for the season. We mm. were happy. 23, however many it was. Yeah, yeah. We lost two of them. Benjamin Mondi because for yeah, his well-known yeah. legal issues and, Ferran, and Torres. Ferran Torres in January. We could have replaced them with other people, with bodies, with people who take up minutes. Yeah. What changed your mind about the size of the squad? And I'm not bringing this up, unlike what Ali Moreno said last night on the show, like, oh, it's not, a, it's not your excuse in this game. It's not a lack of depth. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not saying this. I'm talking about planning a season because the reality is now mm -hmm. you could finish the season empty-handed. Yeah. Right? Because you need to absorb the psychological shock of this. Yeah, You've got players who are weary and whatever. It's that's that's not easy, right? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough. And I'm just wondering, maybe you played De Bruyne a little bit less. I mean, not in the opposite you played in this game, but maybe, you know. Why do you think he I felt that he was okay with this? Is it, was one theory, and Nadim talked about it, is that he values chemistry and unity and maybe bringing in two other players to replace the ones that he lost. Maybe he wasn't comfortable... Um, handling that, managing that situation. Maybe. But I do find it extraordinary that a team, and I'm not one of those people who says you need to have two guys for every position, blah, blah, that's nonsense, right? You need a hierarchy. Yeah. But a couple I, guys to take minutes off. Yeah, I agree to take, with you. You know, whether it's a big lump late in the game you rather than sending Laporte down. I, I, know, I know hindsight's always 20-20, but I wonder what is it, when you thought you needed X number of players, and then for reasons beyond your control, you're two players down, Why not bring in those two players? What changes your mind and say, oh, well, I don't need these guys at all? I don't know. Maybe they, tr maybe they, they tried to get rid of them in the summer and couldn't, so it didn't change anything because they said, okay, we have him, we have him now at the start of the season. But, but Fine, they're really going to replace them if they got rid of them in the summer, yeah, right? Yeah, and then they but, didn't replace them in January. But, but you, can't, you can't factor the injuries that can happen in a season. So in January, when everybody was free, he said, you know what? This is, this, is, this is enough. We don't need more. We can play Ake at left back. We've got, you know, we can do this, we can do that. Yeah, this there's option, a lot that you can do. And then you end up with a half-fit John Stones playing right back in the yeah, first but, leg and yeah, then but, he falls apart. But you don't know he's going to get injured at that time then. So what? Well, you, you knew he was, you knew it was yeah, highly you likely. You signed two more players and you get no injuries between January and the end of the season, so which have, is possible. So you have two more players who so replace the two guys. Well, you pay them and they do nothing. Well, you, 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 you had that you were happy to pay two guys to do very little in Ferran Torres and Benjamin sure. Mendy in the summer. You sure. thought you needed them in the summer, right? Yeah, I, I guess. That, that, whatever. I'm not saying it's, no, I, maybe, I, I think maybe. it comes into it. Maybe. Um, all right, let's, we'll, we'll, go to, we'll go back to Real Madrid in a second. But one other point, and this is, I don't know if Patrice Evra is a pep hater or if he's just expressing his mind, but he threw this out there. And it's something that he's not the only one who said this. Yeah. Which is that Pep values harmony so much and the collective that he does not want big personalities. But Pep is the boss. Team. That's why he doesn't want He's the big personality of the team, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, they don't have big personalities. No. And so when the going gets tough, they crumble. Exactly. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it is. 
I think it is. Show me the leaders. Tell me who are the leaders. And I'm not talking technical leaders because that they have a million. But talk to me about character leadership. Where where is the leader? Is Fernandinho a leader still at 37? I'm not even sure he's ever been a leader. I mean, he's been a leader in the dressing room, but when it comes down to the pitch, and I, again, I don't talk about cynical fouls or, in, or right, clever right. fouls or stuff. I mean, I mean the proper leadership. I, you know, the, I I don't think he's one. I don't think Ruben Diaz is there yet. Laporte will never be. I would argue Ruben concept. Diaz has the personality. To but be he's that not there player. yet. He's 23 years old. We saw how he crumbled under pressure. But he made mistakes. Did he make the mistakes because he's crumbling? He's like, oh, what's going on? Or is he, he made just... mistakes because he was under pressure and he felt the pressure? Or he didn't just make mistakes because he made mistakes because he's a human being. I don't know. No, that. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, it's I, interesting. It's I, interesting. It's an interesting one. I don't like. I don't like bringing up these issues because I feel a little bit like the whole magic of the Bernabeu thing. I kind of feel like, oh, well, we can't explain it. We talk about psychology yeah, and leadership and all this, all this fuzzy stuff, right? We usually justify anything. But I think it is it is an accusation that Evra's going to have to deal Sorry, Evra. <laughs> that Evra makes that Pep is going to have to deal with. And I think it is a theme and it is it is a talking point. On the other hand, it's interesting when we, people talk about the Bernabeu, right? And we've all gotten into the soul mystique. And mm. I wrote a piece about this. If you look, I was watching on TV, as I've mentioned about 10 times so far, um, the noise level after the goal just goes out of yeah. his mind. Yeah. Before, it's actually muted. Completely. This idea that the, the Bernabeu, that I the, was shocked. That the fans drive you and they're noise. Yeah. I was there against PSG. When you get back in the game, yes. But yeah. at that point, yeah. not necessarily. I was there against PSG, and it's not me being bitter because, because we lost. It's, this is the truth. L literally, you could only hear the PSG fans singing when they were in the lead, when they, yeah. were, when they were winning. There was nothing from 55,000 Real Madrid fans. And then, of course, before the game, it's wonderful. Right. But during the game, when, when the team is not playing well, they are very quiet. They yeah. sleep. And then when they wake up, though, it's incredible. It, well, it's incredible. 90,000 people make a lot of noise. But yeah, yeah. Well, it, well, 60, well yeah. less because... The, mm. By the way, for the people who don't watch Real Madrid very often, we're surprised by... It did look like rubbish on a Champions League night. The stupid coverings and then yeah, people yeah, crap yeah. on top of them. Yeah, and, and the like, cranes in the back and everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think... Obviously, praise the crowd and the fans and everybody thanks the fans, but... Let's praise the players first. No, I think yeah. when it comes and, to Real Madrid on this one, yeah. um, that belief I, is incredible. I need a, an objective opinion here. Mm -hmm. I tweeted that some of the, I don't want to call it good fortune necessarily, but maybe that's what it is. But the unexplained breaks going yeah. their way that Ancelotti's enjoyed, not just tonight, but against Paris Saint Germain, against Chelsea, is karma for Istanbul. <laughs> he was I, he was three 0 up in. Dominated 120 minutes of the game yeah. in eight minutes, except for those eight minutes when Liverpool scored three times, and then they go through. Maybe, maybe. It and is. I said, "Is this a karma?" And I have Liverpool fans coming back saying, "No, the karma was in 2007 in Athens. No, that's not. We were both that's in not Athens. What karma is. This is not what karma is. It's nothing. Can we go back the the the, yeah. the, the game in Athens? Yes, until the ball came off Ancelotti and uh, Zaghi's backside, but it's not as if Liverpool dominated that game. No. It's not like Milan had to come from behind to win. We can knock this on the head. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Okay, fine. Completely. Right, okay. You know, I, I think that, that's not what karma is. Okay. We said Ancelotti became the first the first manager to win the five big leagues trophies, titles. He also becomes now the first manager to go to five Champions League final. No one has ever done How that. How many does Klopp have? Four. So that would be the fourth one. Okay. Yeah. So that's the third with Liverpool and then he had one yeah. with Dortmund, of course. Um 
Real Madrid haven't lost the Champions League final since the 1981 against Liverpool in Paris at the Parc des Princes. Since then, they won seven, including obviously the the one against Salah and Liverpool. So it's just it's just an incredible, just an incredible achievement that they're not the best team against PSG. They go through. They're not the best team against Chelsea. They go through. They're probably not the best team against City, and they still go through. And for me, Gab, and we wrote about that on the website in our predictions. I know logic says Liverpool. But right now, this is the destiny. Real Madrid's destiny is to win this. I cannot see how it's not going to happen now. It's an interesting one. And well, I was going to talk about it later, but let's just deal with this now because there's a unique situation now about the final. We're not going to, we'll have plenty of time to make predictions. But I think what's going to be absolutely fascinating is the final is 24 days away, three and a half weeks. Mm. Real Madrid are not playing any significant game. I know it's a derby against Atleti. Who they cares, don't care. Right? They have champions right. already. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Liverpool, you know, as the cliche goes, every game is a final, right? Mm. And they have the FA Cup final. Yeah. So there's pros and cons of both. One is it's wearying, it's stressful mm. physically, psychologically, and so on. It takes a lot out of you. But you stay sharp and match fit. Yeah. And if you win, you don't feel the tiredness. You don't feel the fatigue. That's what some people say. So On the flip get- side... Real Madrid, though, they can just rest yeah, for three and a half weeks. Completely. Which What's they better? Will do. I don't know. I believe that if you arrived in Paris with the treble already, as Liverpool could be, I think I think they will be on, like, literally walking on on water. And I think. That, and if they lose the title, then and I it's think a psychologically, yeah, I think psychologically, they, it's tough. Yeah, and they can right. get injured. Uh, you know, they could get injuries now that Real Madrid won't get, for example, because they're not going to play. 100% between now and the final. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough ghost of Juanito. Let's talk about the other semifinal. And Jules, I want to send an apology to fans of Liverpool and Villarreal because when I was planning this, and an hour into the show, I even texted you. I said, yeah. all right, we know what's happening here. Let's go with Liverpool and Villarreal. It's, it's a really interesting game. Yeah, Klopp it said it was a bigger comeback than Istanbul or compared yeah, to yeah, Istanbul. I don't know if Klopp was pulling our leg. Um, this is a tremendous game. And I think Villarreal, as long as they lasted... Go out with their heads held high. I know you're going to pick holes in Liverpool and that first half, and that was atrocious. It was atrocious. And a warning light. But can we start by a little bit of praise for yeah, Villarreal? We can. By the way, Villarreal playing with a half a Gerard Moreno, with no Dan Juma. Yeah? True, true. These, these things matter. These things matter. Uh, and even if the obstacle was still too high, that, this is still the truth. Yeah. They, they gave such an amazing account of themselves for 45 minutes. They play... 
They were aggressive like they should have been. They pressed well like they should have done. They were very clinical. Uh, I'm not sure Francis Coquelin slash Cristiano Ronaldo can score that header again by being in the air for so long. It's not just a header. The whole the guy's whole game. It's crazy. Capu as well up, up to I mean you know up to half time and then the red card. But and a bit of luck too because the the Boulaidia goal Capu is trying to shoot. He's not trying to square the ball and cross it. <laughs> so. They had everything going their way. They were winning all, all the jewels, all the second balls, everything. Liverpool were shocking. They really were like completely half asleep. We kept watching Van Dijk shouting and swearing and effing and like not knowing what was hitting them, which is true. And they all made a lot of mistakes. I mean, Alexander Arnold defending and Robertson, maybe a bit more surprising defending, was horrendous. But then you also knew at halftime that one, Klopp would shout and shout really loud, which he did. And two, there was no way Villarreal could keep that kind of intensity for more than 45 minutes. And as soon as they stopped, they opened the door and then that was it. It was over. Okay, so thank you for not blaming everything on Geronimo Rulli, although I think he played a big part there. He did. He did. But because he was in Ligue 1 before, he can only be a very good goalkeeper at Montpellier. The, the first goal, I think he doesn't expect Fabinho to shoot. And I think he gets surprised. The ball goes between his, his legs. I think it's more unfortunate than, than that kind of mistake. The third one is completely stupid. The one where he chases the ball after Mane, well, with Mane, and misses it completely. I, you know, I don't think, I, I think this right, is... Right, so that's, that's, they didn't concede, they conceded 20 goals. So if you take those two goals but out, yeah, no, no. it's a different story, yeah? True, and in the first leg as well, it was, it was, it was not very good. Um, but if you're real, you take this. If you're Liverpool, though, what I think is interesting is, I mentioned it, a little warning light about not not letting the tension go down. I'm just wondering, do you come out of this thinking, look, we're stronger because we're the team that, that, that came out in the second half? Or do you look back and say, you know what, we cannot take anything for granted. We do you have think flaws. they were complacent in that first half? Or they were just caught, caught so quickly and everything? Again, complacency is one of those things, after the fact, we look from the outside, and say, oh, look, Liverpool gave up stupid goals that they don't normally do and they don't look good. Oh, they're better, they have better players. They must be com complacent, right? Mm -hmm. They're not tired because they didn't overexert themselves at the weekend. They must be complacent. So we immediately jump on the complacency bandwagon. And I'm sure Klopp told them to pull their finger out and said that they yeah, were complacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were they complacent or are these just things that can happen? Are these flaws that maybe in, in other games that they manage to mask because there are other things going on. I, I don't know. I mean, before I accuse somebody of being complacent in Champions League semi-final, when you're only two goals up and you concede straight away, I think long and hard about it. Because to yeah, me, it's, it's an easy out. But but we also know that when, when you bring up the intensity or when you match their intensity or when you're more aggressive than them, when you cause them that kind of problems, at times they find it difficult to respond no. if you don't give time to Fabinho, to Thiago Alcantara, yeah. then they struggle. I, I want to throw in something else, just because I think obviously Luis Diaz came on and, and yeah, changed I don't the game. He, he changed the game. Yeah, he certainly helped to change the game. Yeah. When he signed, I thought, all right, he's insurance to give them more leverage in the contract negotiations with Mane and Salah. But I also think, and whatever sports scientists at Liverpool figured out, that Salah and Mane, one of the two, was inevitably going to be tired and worn out between the World Cup qualifiers, between the Cup of Nations, so yeah, on. Yeah. We're not seeing the real Salah right now. 
where we're seeing you know his yeah. Egyptian cousin with a similar haircut. Yeah, right? although some of the numbers are still good. But yeah, it's not, the numbers it's may not. be good. The performances are not at the Salah level we saw in the first half of the season. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. to me, that's even more credit to Liverpool, Michael Edwards, whoever it is, saying let's spend the money now, let's get this guy. But let's forget that if Spurs don't come for Diaz, he he comes in Liverpool this summer. He's not here now. This I'm is, not this 100% is on that. I'd rather give them credit. 100%. Oh, just, so the ability to turn it on mm. is one of the hallmarks of this team. And I think what what struck me, too, about Liverpool's second-half performance was the, was the way, actually, Fabinho, I thought, Fabinho went going, was going for 90 minutes. I'm not going to put Fabinho in with the guys who were supposedly complacent in the first half because he wasn't. No, but he was very restricted, though. They, they, they defended really well on him. Here's my thing. Fierreal made pressing Liverpool look easy. It looked to me like if they had more lungs and more energy, they would have lasted 90 minutes doing it. Or they could have. Maybe yeah, that's why they, they could have. Yeah, yeah. Um, is this I more know. people should try to, something they should try to do when Thiago Alcantara is not on his game? But who can? That's the thing. Who can? Who can, who can keep that intensity for so long? City can. But Real Madrid, we will see in the final, are a completely different team. They don't no, have that intensity no, for, for for long period of times. Has to be in a So you play, you play differently. But, but West Ham beat this Liverpool team without playing with that kind of intensity for 90 minutes. But they have different assets. They're yeah, very good no. set pieces. There's other ways. Yeah, I don't know that we've seen anybody but, beat, beat Liverpool with intensity. We've seen them beat them with quality maybe over in past years. Yeah. But not with intensity. Price. No. But, but certainly... Mm, you know, actually, a little bit. And... I know they lost the game, so Inter Milan, I thought, in the first leg, yeah. they matched them up very well. But again, yeah. it lasted 70 minutes, and then... And then considered two goals. And then made mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, you're right. But I, I do think, and I was saying it on, on French television during the game, Inter were maybe the best opponent with City and the two draws that they had against City in the league, but the best opponent that Liverpool faced because... They caused them so many problems with the ball by keeping the ball so well. So Liverpool were counter-pressing and pressing, but, but the passing was great from Inter. And then they matched the intensity, even at on-field where it's actually the only defeat this season. Wait, are you telling Carlo that maybe he should drop Kroos and Modric for this game, bring them in off the uh, bench and start with Camavinga and, uh, and Valverde in the middle? I, huh? I, thought, I think this that. would be very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to do that. He's not going to do it. But that, you know that but. was his final beginning yeah, of the year. Yeah, it was. All right, anyway, was. I don't want to get sidetracked on the final. But you know, we talked about Destiny quickly, about Real Madrid and all those remontadas and comebacks and everything. If Alisson doesn't score that header against West Brom last season, I'm not even sure Liverpool qualify for the Champions League. If Spurs don't come in, as we mentioned earlier, whether it's the whole story or not the whole story, but if Spurs don't come in for Luis Diaz in January, Liverpool don't sign him with only a few hours spare in the transfer window in, in the winter. And without Diaz, it's, it's impossible to say, but maybe you don't qualify for the final. You don't, go, you don't win that game against Villarreal or you don't, you don't have this kind of knockout stage period and you go to the final. It's crazy how seasons sometimes uh, things change just on unpredictable or unplanned events really and I think that's I think that's crazy about this team this is an amazing team this is a team Gab who will play every single game of the season so they will play the whole every single game in the League Cup every single game in the FA Cup every single game in the Champions League and every single game of course in the league no one has never done that no one has ever done that before that's not true Gerard Houllier's Liverpool did it too why don't you show love for Houllier 
Did they play every single they did, UEFA yeah, Cup? It was 2001. Yeah. It might have been fewer Fair games, but yeah, whatever. Maybe but, fewer but, but, but still, it it's incredible when you no, think it, at it, the start of the season, you think we're going to play 50, 55. I, when you know what I think is also pretty incredible? Uh, and in fact, this has gone unnoticed. Okay. I know Jordan Henderson. Is, we forget certain narratives, right? So Nabi Keita comes over for a lot of money. They have high expectations. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, he struggles, right? He's, yeah. not the, he's not the player that they thought they were going to get. People think of Liverpool's wrong signings. I think Nabi Keita is the one. Yeah, or, or half, one them, half right? wrong maybe. Because no, we, half we wrong. Like him. We, like we like him, but, you know, the first two, three years, he was not what he yeah, was supposed yeah, to be, yeah. right? Now he's coming up big. In a big game like this, he leaves Jordan Henderson on the bench. Now, I think it takes a lot of authority. When Martin Henderson extended his contract, it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing a keep and dump series with, uh, Mar- with Ogden and Ogden saying like, yeah, they should let uh, Henderson go. He got slaughtered. What do you mean he's the player of the season? It was, you know, it was the year after they won the title, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And now look at Henderson. They're tied into that contract. Well, what I think is remarkable about this is that Henderson understands his role at the club and understands that maybe for this game, I mean, he did come on as a sub, yeah, yeah, but yeah. to drop your club captain yeah. in a game like this, that also shows you what level of authority Club has earned and what he's operating on. Final shout out, because I'm kinder and gentler now. I want to give a shout out to referee. To referee? Yeah. The, when Allison comes out on Giulio Celso, oh, yeah, 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 okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Allison collides with Lo Celso and does not get the ball, right? So many people. Oh, penalty. Instead, Macaulay, in real time, yeah. I think he was further back. He must have been further back, right? Recognizes that, yeah, you made contact with Lo Celso, but Lo Celso could easily go for the ball. And so Lo Celso kind of turns into, mm. turns into Allison and just, he's like, I don't want to go around you. I want to run into you and get a penalty. I, I thought that was just really good refereeing. I think a, yeah, a by-the-book referee would have said, oh, Allison's coming out. He's, you know, um, didn't even go to VAR. No, I didn't think it was a penalty. I thought that was a huge call, and I thought that was a great call. So, well done, Danny McAlee. Well done. Holland's finest. It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. All right, enough Liverpool. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. This was way back on Monday, but hey, it's Manchester United, it's Cristiano Ronaldo, so let's give them top billing. They beat Brentford 3-0. They actually looked good. And <laughs> Cristiano is up to 18 goals in the league, 24 overall. Yeah. Joe, is about what you expected? Well, I knew he was going to score goals. That many, I, I never thought, okay, will he be a 25-goal-a-season guy this He's season? He's in range not? with what we Yeah, expected. we think. But he's 37 years of age. And whether you think <laughs> he's a solution, he's a problem, whether you're in between, or whether you think he's going to stay or should stay, or he's going to leave and should leave, it's still remarkable, regardless, that a 37-year-old, maybe the best finisher we've ever seen in the game, can still put numbers like that and do it in the Champions League, do it in the Premier League, which is the most difficult league in the world. It, it's, it's remarkable and he deserves a lot of credit and praise for it. It's an interesting theme because there's somebody even older 
who's now who turns 41 this year, who we nice spoke one. to on Gavin Jules Meets, exactly. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, also talks about longevity. So if you get a chance, check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole podcast with him. Uh, uh, and I thought it was very entertaining. Another word on this, uh, we saw Nemanja Matic make his goodbyes at yeah. the end, Lap of Honor, and Juan Mata. I got to spend uh, a word on Juan Mata, one of my favorite people. Do you know, Jules, I only own two shirts, two signed shirts of active footballers. Okay. One of them is Juan Mata. Yeah, I gathered. Um, because I actually asked them to donate it for a charity raffle. And then, because it was for charity, I bought a bunch of tickets in the raffle. And, and guess you won what? it. I won it back. Oh, that's, so he's that's one of only two people whose signed wow. shirts I owned. Mm-hmm. The other one also played in that game on Monday night. Okay. Who is it? It's Cristiano Ronaldo. Okay. And I'll tell you what. Um, the reason I have that signed shirt was because it was given to me after I made, a, I made an appearance in, in Portugal. It was given to me as a gift. It's signed by Cristiano Ronaldo. It has my name on the back. Amazing. So it's not like I can give it away to charity unless somebody happens to have the same last name. So <laughs> yeah. I still have that. Sure. Gab, more twists and turns in the Chelsea sale with the Times reporting that Roman Abramovich might want his loan repaid, 1.5 billion. And this has taken the club and I guess the government by surprise. I have to say here that you deserve a lot of credit because you'd call this from the beginning that this could potentially be an issue. And it is now. It hasn't taken our listeners by surprise because no. we told you. I, I'm sorry. The only information come out is a stupid clear as mud statement where he says, I don't want the loan repaid and the net proceeds of the sale, uh, you need to explain this. You need to explain exactly what it means. The government should know. Yeah. Rain should know when, when they negotiated it. Maybe Rain do know. Maybe they're contractually bound not to tell us what happened to this money. But you, the government, if you're the ones giving the license, know what it is. Like, we were under the impression, is the quote in the Times. We're getting the impression of what? Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Sort this out. It's a serious thing. I tell you what, if you're Roman Abramovich, are you seriously expecting, as some people are saying that, oh, no, he should forgive the loan and then the rest of the proceeds should go to charity? Yeah. So what? So like without being charged with anything, without being found guilty with anything, without having his assets seized, he's supposed to just walk away from everything? I can understand why You can see why, why from he his perspective. And he needs yeah. money as well because Absolutely. all his accounts are frozen. Meanwhile, Joel, Sir Jim Ratcliffe gave a long interview to the BBC where he argued that his bid, even though came at the end and out of nowhere, yeah. should be considered because, number one, he's British, and number two, he's not one of those private equity guys who are looking to make a profit. Um, he also said, and I thought this was funny, that he grew up a Manchester United fan, but he's got split loyalties because when he lived in I, London, he watched a lot of Chelsea I, of course, because yeah. it was difficult and inconvenient to get to Old Trafford. Uh, London is full of Manchester United yeah. fans, by the way, who travel to Old Trafford, Sir Jim. And also... If you're so rich, you can truly can afford helicopter back and forth. Man, just... I don't buy this BS at all. I don't like it. I, I, I don't like his bid, which is lower than others. The, the links with Nice are not really explained what's going to happen. Is he going to sell Nice? Is he going to try to keep everything? Yeah. I, it's late. I didn't like the fact that he was late. He said they made a mistake. I said, well, what do you mean they made a mistake? Well, I think he said, oh, it takes time to put all the money together. I'm like, well, well you're a billionaire. It's your money. It's your, it's your money. company. Right? Yeah, you're telling us how much better you are than private I equity know. guys. It's not they have con- to get money together. Exactly. It's not even a consortium. It's not like you're trying to ask, <laughs> you know, Gab and Jules if we can actually put a bit of money. Or- so I'm, I'm very wary of, of his bid. And again, for me, it's BS. I don't buy it, I don't buy it at all. I- I don't know who's doing this guy's PR. And by the way, all these people, in case you're wondering why stuff gets in the media, all these people hire PR companies. And the yeah. PR companies call people like me and Jules up and say like, well, Todd Bowley's thinking this. Pat exactly. Lucas thinking that, right? I don't know who's doing reckless PR. They haven't rung me. Not me neither. But 
can I tell you what? You're rubbish. Yeah. You put out a statement saying, we'll be making no further comments. And then three days later, you know, he gives a long interview to the BBC. I know. I, it's, it's, he's going about this all the wrong way. Yeah. I'm not saying he's a bad no, guy. No, but, no, 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 but completely, come on. completely. Diego Maradona's number 10 hand of God shirt has been sold for more than 8 million euros to an anonymous bidder. Gab, was it you? Be honest uh, here. No, not me. Okay, okay. It's not me either. His family asking, so that's, you know, the family of um, Maradona. Maradona, that the shirt, that the owner now of the shirt loans it to a museum in Buenos Aires so that it can be admired by the Argentine people, which is a, which is a fair ask, I guess. It's very fair. Uh, you call it the Hand of God shirt. I like it, the shirt that he was wearing when he scored the greatest goal in the history yeah. of the World well, Cup. Well, I read what you wrote. It's very fair because let's face it, right? You still own the shirt. It's still your shirt. Unless you're some weirdo who gets his jollies by sitting there and staring at the shirt. And given that it's Maradona, I could see how it would yeah, give a lot of yeah, pleasure. You can. Uh, yeah, I think this would be a really, really nice gesture. Mixed news for Bayern, Jules. As yeah. expected, Thomas Muller has signed a new deal through 2024, which is good. Bayern say Lewandowski will stay, but it's not clear he's of the same mindset, which is not exactly. so good. Exactly. Well done for Thomas Muller against 20, uh, the deal uh, uh, to 2024. He took a photo. That like in the he had a photo with the Bayern shirt when he was a kid in his bedroom and then they sort of like recreated that kind of stuff. Nicely done. But Lewandowski says nine, 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 nine. I'm not staying here. So you know you better sell me in the summer. And Salihamidzic saying like no, no, we're not selling you. So you got a contract, bud. Yeah, I think we've got a saga on our hand, which is going to be cool because as we know, Lewandowski's agent is Pini Zahavi, and Pini Zahavi doesn't really like when you say no to him. So it'd be very interesting to to follow that. He also doesn't have as much leverage as with Alaba. Yeah, true. UEFA have confirmed that Russian clubs will not be participating in UEFA competitions next year and Russia won't be playing in the UEFA Women's Euro 2022 in England as well this summer. They're being replaced by Portugal. It's the right move, Gabby, right? 100%. The Olympic Committee has spoken, FIFA have spoken, UEFA have spoken. Let's move on and let's not talk about these people any more than we have to. That's good. Lionel Messi will not no, win no, the Ligue no. 1 Player of the Year award because he hasn't been nominated. No. Instead, we get Kylian Mbappe, Dimitri Payet, Wissam Ben Yedder, The Packet, yeah. and Martin Terrier from Rennes, who some of our listeners might not be familiar with. No, but Martin Terrier is having an amazing season, scoring loads of goals for Rennes, who are having also the best season in their history. So well done to him. He will be my top three. Kylian has to win it, of course. And then pick whoever you want for second place. I don't really care. But yeah. No, Leo Messi, no Neymar either. Leipzig lose 3-1 at Gladbach on Monday night, while Leverkusen beat a weekend Eintracht Frankfurt side 2-0. Gab, how do you see the race for the Champions League spot now in the Bundesliga with two games left? It's really exciting. I have to, I have to consult my notes here because yeah, we have Leverkusen on 58 points. They've yeah. got Hoffenheim away. Not easy. And then the, the big one against Freiburg at home on the last La day of the season. That's a big one. They have a three-point gap over Freiburg, four points over Leipzig. I think they're going to be okay. Freiburg, they are on 55 points. They got Union Berlin at home, supported as ever by a producer, Freddy. They can qualify for Europa League, so they... Exactly, they're motivated. And Leverkusen away, that is obviously a tough uh, run-in, but they control their own destiny against Leverkusen to some degree. Well, no, to a lot of degree. Uh, Leipzig, 54 points. Easy running, Augsburg uh, at home, Bielefeld away, potentially, mm. although fighting, teams fighting to avoid relegation. And finally, Cologne. 52 points, Wolfsburg at home, Stuttgart away. I'm including Cologne, as improbable as they are, because yeah. after Wednesday night, anything can happen. And look, true. they need to make up three points. It's not like it's 50 points. That's true. Who's your money on, Jules? So Leverkusen will finish third, and then 
And then I still think Leipzig will smash that fourth place. And Tedesco deserves it, even if lately it's not the same kind of form. I'm torn because Tedesco fundamentally is of Italian descent. Yeah, even of course. His cousin, last name... Cousin of yours. No, he's not my cousin. But his it's last name literally means German. But on the other hand, Jules, you know, what? it's Leipzig. You want Freiburg? Leipzig is kind of yucky. So Freiburg is Christian strike. At least Freiburg are the good guys. Yeah, I'll tell you why in a, later, in a later quick hit for those who don't know why most want Freiburg. Frank Lampard Jr. has been charged by the FA for comments after the Merseyside derby when he said Liverpool would have been awarded the penalty that was denied Anthony Gordon. Gordon obviously booked for diving, uh, diving earlier in the game. Yeah. Uh, is that okay with you, Jules, that he's been charged? No, I don't like it. I don't like it. I never liked it. I think as a manager, you should be able to express your feelings. If you didn't like the way the referee refereed, then you say it. If you thought you made a mistake. You're saying referees have double standards because but if that's they what treat he thinks. Liverpool better than Everton. But there's a lot of people who said that and we were not all going to be charged. So yeah, like, but he's a manager. You I know, but it that. doesn't matter. But like, why? You can't say that. You can say... Had it been at Anfield, he could have said that, you know, the crowd okay, influenced maybe it was him a bit or whatever. Way he said, but I don't have a problem with it. I think you always want transparency. You always want people saying what they think. Yeah, but they don't want people accusing the... This This implies that yeah. this attacks the integrity of the referee. Okay, do you I, think I, I like, I like He's one of my favorite people in the world. But but do you think, do you think he's got a point, though? He's entitled to think no, no, that. Do you think he's think, got a point? Do you think that big clubs... Especially when they play at home, get get some of those decisions. Yes, I also think that if you're a manager and you represent a football club, you're an institutional role, you cannot say things like this. Simple okay. as. Okay. Nico Schlotterbeck, one of the revelations in the Bundesliga this season, has signed for Borussia Dortmund from Freiburg, who will, in return, bring Matthias Ginter from free Gladbach. Agent. Matthias as a free agent, yeah, to replace him. Gap. Is it weird that these deals are announced while the season still get on? So... Freiburg, as we've explained, yeah. can still clinch Champions League, Champions League for next season. But Schlotterbeck is only thinking about Borussia Dortmund next season. I Maybe mean, thinking about Freiburg too because he's a pro. But no, this is weird. This is stupid. This is the only country uh, that I know of in yeah. the major leagues where it happens. It's even worse. Obviously, we had it last with managers, year yeah. with managers. Oh. I don't understand. I don't understand why, if you're Borussia Dortmund, why you have to announce this. I mean, fortunately, I Borussia know. Dortmund, we, we, we read the run-in, right? They're not involved in any of these games. But come on, man! Like this is not a this is not a good situation. This is this like is Zula as well. Zula announcing that he was going it, to Dortmund. I don't know. I don't understand why you can't just make a rule. Like you know, in in the US they have no tampering. Um, you know, you got a period where you can't even talk to other people, yeah. and obviously they do. But here, like, oh, like, we'll just announce them because we're so sure of our own integrity, we can go and do that. It's it's a it's completely no, un. It's... There is no reason for this, especially with players. Yeah, no reason. I agree. I agree. Wait, wait a couple weeks. I agree. Bournemouth have been promoted back to the Premier League. Jules, I'm very honest about this. I don't follow the championship because there's not enough hours in the day. You yeah. somehow managed to do it. Yeah. Um, I do know about the championship that Fulham have also been promoted. They have indeed. And that Mitrovic has scored a ridiculous amount. Was it 43 goals? In 43 games. This is ridiculous. Which is that's, crazy. That's Benzemesque. That's Benzemesque. And, and Bournemouth had their own Mitrovic in a way in Dominic Solanke, who's had a, a really, really good season. Uh, and they, they clinched their promotion in that almost final against Nottingham Forest on Tuesday night where if Forest had won away at Bournemouth, they could have overtaken them in the table and, and gone up themselves. Instead, it was Bournemouth. Well done to Scott Parker, Richard Hughes, of, of course, our friend, the sporting director there. Well done to them, you know, going back. So if you look at Scott Parker's career, uh, you know, he obviously was promoted with Fulham. 
relegated with Fulham, promoted with Bournemouth, and now we see what, what Solanke happens. got me thinking of the Chelsea striker diaspora. Do you know who Solanke played uh, alongside in the Chelsea youth team? Um, that would be one Tammy Abraham. Yeah, Tammy Abraham. But we think about it, there's yeah. so many. There's Solanke, there's yeah. Tammy Abraham, there's Patrick Bamford, yeah. Eddie and Ketia. Yeah. <laughs> so many guys. It's crazy, isn't it? And they play Havertz Broja, and Brunner. You know, all of them. Well, Broja will Broja come back. Bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but still, you know, it's, it's crazy. The academy is crazy. Reports in Italy say that Inter will take Paolo Dybala, Gav, but not for the eight plus two million euros that he thought he'd agreed with Juve in terms of wages. It's more likely around the six million mark that they're offering. I don't know. I'd argue six million unless you, unless you know that Dzeko's gone uh, mm -hmm. for sure. is maybe, I'm not sure it's the greatest deal in the world either. Is it a good move though if you put aside the financial aspect? But you can't put aside the financial aspect because he's a free agent. I, I'm sure. sorry, there, there's no... Um, I know this guy who works for one of the mean hedge funds, and he says there's no such thing as a bad asset, only a bad price, right? Mm -hmm. And eight million plus two million, and by the way, it's eight million plus two million net, Nets, right? We're yeah, talking yeah, like yeah. we're talking like in excess of three hundred grand a week, um, is a bad price for Paulo Dybala. It's a bad price for Juve and Paulo Dybala. It's a bad price for Inter and Paulo Dybala. Yeah, you know, if you have unlimited funds, maybe probably says your man might be interested. I don't know, but. It's so transparent and so obvious. His agents, he's got people looking after him who talk to everybody continuously. And they're talking, oh, well, we got to see about Inter. They'll take him. But, you know, um, we're waiting to hear from Liverpool and Manchester United, yeah, Ten Hag and Spurs. Of course, this is Dybala. What, what, what's he going to do? Like, yeah, Dybala. Yeah. Paolo, go press. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> seriously. Lionel Messi isn't the only Argentine not getting oh. love from Ligue 1 this season. Mauricio Pochettino, despite winning the league, has not been nominated for manager of the year. But another Argentine has. Yes. And Jorge, he's going to win it. Jorge Sampaoli is in the list. He's made the list. He's not going to win it because you're French and you like to make unusual choices I'm, to be different. I don't right? know. I don't know not what you people personally, are going to vote. But the he would be in my top three, but I don't know what other people would do. Um, no Mauricio Pochettino, though. Doesn't deserve it, despite winning the league, I guess. We've but got a bit of Gaultier, the Strasbourg yeah. dude. Stefan, Genesio as well from Rennes, who's, I would say Rennes having the Former Lyon guy, right? Genesio? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, Not the prettiest football either. Oh, no, it is this season. They, Rennes are amazing this season. They, it's the best season in their, in their history. They've scored the most goals apart from PSG and they're just one goal behind or two goals behind. So Genesio could win it, maybe deserve to win it. And then we had Antoine Comboire, the not manager, who's taken the team into the cup final this weekend and also doing well in the league. So no room for Mauricio. You're cheering for the former PSG manager, Antoine Comboire, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I like Julien Stéphane, I have to say. No relation, uh, but yeah, it's pretty good guy as well. Freiburg are facing, are facing Leipzig. We mentioned Freiburg a lot already on the show in the German Cup final, and they announced that they don't want their logo, Gab, used on any half-and-half -half scarves or other pro promotional material alongside that of Leipzig. Gab, I bet you applaud this. Here we go. Team Christian Strike. No, look, uh, we've touched upon this. Uh, if you follow our colleague Derek Ray, he tweets yeah. about this stuff endlessly. In German football, there's different ownership models. Um, Freiburg are a hardcore fan-run club, yeah. right? The, the, the fans the are members, 50, yeah. 50 plus one rule, blah, blah, blah. Leipzig are the opposite. Leipzig are a dude in Austria with some funny political views who makes an energy drink yeah. and makes a lot of money and says, let's go and do this. Listen, Leipzig on the football side, fantastic. What they do with young players or football and so on. But a lot of people have a problem with what he did. Yeah, Buying his way into the league, they're supposed to, they, you know, using, 
using basically uh, a stratagem to get around the 50 plus one rule. There's a lot of bad blood towards Leipzig. Freiburg stand for something else. Yeah, and they say, yeah. we don't want to be associated with you. We will beat you in the German Cup final, and we don't want to be associated with you in any way. I got no problem with that yeah, whatsoever. And also, half and half scars are stupid. So, you know. I used to think that. That's and stupid. then people told me, oh, but they're neutrals. You want what? to commemorate the game. No, Buy a program. Read the program, keep the program as a souvenir, but don't buy those half and half stupid cards. I think that's very good advice. Aurélien Chouameni has my pronunciation, okay? Yeah, very good. Yeah. Has been linked with every top club in Europe, it feels like. Yeah. But Jules, has. could he be staying at Monaco? Well, yesterday we had him in a press conference and he said, you know what, if we qualify for the Champions League and Monaco are fourth now and they're battling for finishing third, maybe even second. So he said, if there's Champions League here next season, then why not? Why not staying? I still think... There would Monaco so, want him to stay? Well, depends who else, go up? who else they sell. But his price is going to go up if he plays in the Champions League next season and shines if he, if he plays at the World Cup with France and shines. So Monaco is not stupid either. Paul Mitchell is a very, very intelligent guy. And he knows, OK, I could sell him now for 50, but we can keep him another year. He plays in the Champions League and in the World Cup and he might be worth 80. So he's still so young that there's no rush for him to go, even if the likes of Chelsea, Real Madrid, PSG, Manchester United, Liverpool are all really following him closely but I don't think it would be a bad idea I think he's too good for Ligue 1 and too good for Monaco right now however if you add the Champions League in the equation for him to stay in the Champions League and have that kind of experience and then I think he would be even more ready then to go to a big Premier League club or a big Spanish club or whatever you mentioned Paul Mitchell there and you mentioned Manchester United a few sentences later yep. in an unrelated way but um, Paul Mitchell's one of those guys who seems to be super respected obviously he was at Leipzig very, very he was at Leipzig. Spurs he was at yeah. Southampton um, I feel like because everybody gets linked to United mm -hmm. people have come up and saying oh United should they go for Paul Mitchell blah 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 uh, I don't I imagine they won't because they have Fletcher and, um, yeah, and John Merton in that yeah. job, right? That's your understanding. I People in Monaco aren't, aren't... Monaco's 10 fans aren't sitting around and <laughs> it is only 10. Very rich 10. But there, but was a, there was a point where I thought his future in Monaco was a bit in doubt because they wanted to change a lot of things at the club. It looks like he might stay now unless a big club... He's someone really ambitious. So some, if a big club comes over... Like United, he might want to take it, but he's, he's do Monaco is doing great now. And he fits the Monaco model. He does. And yeah. Philippe Clement as well, I think, gets on well with him. Ugly story now from uh, Crawley Town in League 2 Gab, where manager John Yems has been suspended from the club and is the subject of an FA investigation. The Daily Mail alleges that he told his white players not to change in the, quote, black boys' room, uh, Unquote. Unquote. And referred to players of Asian heritage as, quote, terrorists, suicide bombers, and curry munchers. End the quote, or whatever you say. Unquote. Unquote, sorry. <laughs> Yems has not commented, but he's believed to deny the allegation, the reports to The Guardian, who was unable to independently corroborate them. He's 62 years old. He's been around the block. Obviously, if these allegations are true and he deserves the right to a full investigation, his owners obviously are suspending them. Presumably, they're doing an internal. Uh, his American ownership yeah, group, I believe, is American as well, right? Yeah. They've been there like a month. Mm. Um, he deserves the right to defend himself. Uh, if these allegations are, are accurate, he has no place whatsoever That's in football. Crazy I think story. it's as simple as, you know, let's let the wheels of justice turn as it is, but this is pretty awful. And I yeah. find it absurd that we're even talking about this in 2022. Olympiakos are champions of Greece for the third straight season, Jules, yeah. after beating Pauk 
Some love for Pedro Martins, perhaps? Yeah, I think he deserves some, Gab. The 47 titles, I think, or 46 in the, in the history. He hasn't won all of them, by the no, way. No, no, but they were by far the best team. They were unbeaten for a really long time. And Pauk, uh, they, who they beat to clinch this title, who are second in the table. So well done, well done to them. You know, you know I got to go back to this, right? Portugal produced so many great coaches and it's yeah, easy to go and get confused about this because there's so many and you don't know some of them yeah, I'm, I'm going to come out and say this some of them are hyped up because they might be tied to a certain agent who maybe, maybe we'll call George Mendes yeah. and he gets them jobs and whatever and they're not that good yeah. others really are good this guy people tell me who know yeah, the better good. than I do tell he's me good. he's really really good he's. this episode is brought to you by Allstate Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Shakhtar Donetsk have been admitted to UEFA competition next season, unlike the Russian clubs. But their coach, Roberto De Zerbi, won't be there, Gab. Yeah, he was very open about it. He said, you know, he says it's been incredibly stressful. He was there. He was with his players, you know, difficulty getting out when the war started. He's been really, really touched by this. Let's not forget Donetsk, even though they've been in exile. um, They're from the Donbass area. Mm. So, you know, even before that, they had to play kind of away from home. He said it's just been too trying. He just wants a break from football. Um, yeah, grateful for enough. his experience. I, I totally understand that and support that. I'm never going to go and tell somebody, you know, who's been through a war, this is how you should feel. Yeah. Horrible story from Spain, Jules, and not much anyone can add. Celta winger Santi Mina has been sentenced to four years in prison for sexual assault. He insists it was consensual. Yeah, it was in 2017 uh, in Almeria. Uh, he was with one of his friends who played in the, in the second division in Spain, who has been cleared, but not Mina, um, who yeah, was, was sentenced for sexual abuse or sexual assault, one it's, of the two. It, it, sexual abuse, I think, is technically the charge. Yeah, it's quite a sexual assault. Famished that, yeah. Burnley are fighting to avoid relegation, and it's important that they do, because if they don't, they will need to come up with £65 million gap to repay a loan. How does £65 that work? million pounds that the owners say that they have and they have access to uh, basically has to do with the way the club was, was acquired, where essentially they, they financed it through debt, right? They borrowed money yeah. to, to take over the club. Um, but whoever lent them the money said, OK, but if you go down, you're going to pay us the money back straight away. Now, there's two ways to look at this. Part of me is I'm not generally comfortable when people use debt to buy a club. Right, I don't yeah. think it's something should be it encouraged. Should not be, it Obviously, not be allowed, even. especially when you don't need to. Exactly. So the Glazers didn't yeah. need to do it, yeah. but they did it, so they could make more they money. They took advantage of the yeah, system. Of the, of the situation. In the case of Burnley, I can't help but wonder, if you had that $65 million knocking around, um, why didn't you just use that rather know. than borrowing the money um, and of course they're at risk of going down even this year yeah. so it's a tough situation I, I just hope for the fans and, and for the players and those involved and of course Mike Jackson that um, you know this sorts itself out definitely 
Tottenham Hotspur have been linked to a move for Villarreal's Pau Torres. Jules, do you like this? At I love 50, this. Guy. I love this. 55, 50, 60. I think he's a tremendous player. He's left-footed to start with, um, which I think they need. They've got Romero on the right, like okay, a Dyer, who for Conte okay, yeah. is the reincarnation of Beckenbauer. But and then you've got Ben. <laughs> One Davis. of these isn't like the others. I but. know, but we love Ben Davies. He's Welsh, like Miss Isel, but but Pau Torres is, is wonderful. If you if you'll be worried about the lack of pace. No problem. If he fits in the back three, exactly like Conte and Spurs do. So for me, it would be a perfect signing for, for Spurs. Also, Romero can make up for the lack of pace. I wouldn't worry yeah, about Yeah, exactly. Diana so much. But I would love to see that happen. I would love him in the Premier League. Jose Mourinho's Roma and Brendan Rodgers' Leicester kick off in a few hours gap. Their semi-final second leg. And speaking before the game, Mourinho said that if you advance from the semi-final, you get to play a final. Of course, but you see why. Because unless you get sacked, pretty obvious what he was referring to, right? Yeah, he was referring to himself. What yeah, a surprise the last time there. he got to a final. And to be fair, he's talking about when he he's was right. at Spurs and he reached the League Cup final. Okay, Spurs weren't good and so yeah. on. But he didn't get to play the final because they fired him and appointed Ryan Mason instead a week before. Um, yeah. yeah, he's got a point. Um, I don't know what happened, what made Spurs think, all right, we cannot take Mourinho anymore. We got to get him out the door now. Whatever you think of him. And probably was the right decision to let him go. Yeah. But a week before the final, what? I know, That's, I know. I mean, Weird what are you doing? Spare time. Like, you know, Roma torture not, pu puppies or what? Roma are not going to do that, right? If they qualify for the final? I'm pretty sure that. they're not going to do that, no. They're on the hook for a lot of money. Fine. Wilfred Zaha is entering the final year of his Crystal Palace contract. Jules, do you want to see him somewhere? He's 29 years old. Yeah. He's, I don't want to call Palace a bad team, but, and obviously they've done extremely well this season, mm. but he may well be the biggest superstar outside the big six. If he's not the biggest, if yeah, you want yeah, yeah. to throw best. Tielemans at me, yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. But One of the best outside. There's no team. question in terms of ability. Definitely. He's there, right? Definitely. Do you think, would you, as a fan, I would do love you want to. him to stay there and do his no, thing? I mean, and be like a normal version of Matt Letizia? Um, or do you want him, or do you want to say like, all right, didn't work out at United, let's see him in the big time one last time. Let's I want to see champions him in crowds. I want to see him in the big time. I, Patrick Vieira loves him, you know, and, and he would want him to stay, of course. He's been there a long time, if you, even if you take away the, the United um, little period. But I think he's, in a way, he's too good for Crystal Palace. And you want to see him Going for, for, for trophies, maybe he might not be the number one winger for a top six team. He might be more in a rotation, but if he's, if he's happy with that, I think he deserves a shout. The problem, I think, he would have left a long time ago, but the valuation from Palace was way too high. Even in 2019, when Arsenal wanted to sign him, we don't know how that would have turned turn, turn out to, to, to go, to be. But I think, I think he deserves a shout now. 30, he's mature enough. He still makes a few... Silly stuff, remember the red card, the way yeah, I suppose on Boxing Day, that was a bit strange. He's unconventional. Yeah, but, but I think, I think he, deserves a, he deserves a go. Yeah, I, I think you leave it all up to him. I yeah. mean, you say, like, you've been trying to serve in this club. This is the new contract we can offer you. It's not going to be as much money as you want or as much you might have made it elsewhere. Yeah. If yeah, you want to go, tell us now. Maybe we get some money back for you this summer yeah. because he can be an impact player and, at almost any club in the and Premier League. Olize right? and Eze, you've got replacement. And you can play wide. Yeah, you've got younger players who can, exactly. who can, who can fill that role. Exactly. Uh, if he wants to stay, though, I think he deserves to stay. Oh, but they would never not keep him if he wanted to stay I think no, I think so sure. news from the world of NFT Gab sometimes you know we like doing that on the show Sportsman Go 
or Gio, I don't know, which was endorsed. Sportimon Go, come on. Sportimon it's, Go. It's a very clever play on words with Pokemon Go. Even I figured it out. Wow, okay. Sportimon Go, Pokemon Go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Why, you need to catch them all or something? I yes, I think which so. Which was endorsed by the likes of Andy Robertson and Luke Shaw has ceased trading. <laughs> it's, it's what? The, it's the NFT of choice for left backs from the Northwest. Right, and clearly it doesn't work because... Uh, they yeah, see trading, they're going to turn, they're going to cash in for some other virtual currency, blah, wow. blah, blah. Look, I've said this many times. I talk about this because I think it's an interesting space. I am not against, certainly not against blockchain technology, not against cryptocurrencies. If they're legit, uh, be careful with this because there are a lot of... Mm -hmm. Do you think players should know better? They should be a bit more careful? I mean... I'm sure Andy Robertson and Luke Shaw didn't invest in this. They were probably paid a certain amount of money to go and promote this yeah, on but social. Yeah, your image, you still... It doesn't, it doesn't help your image. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how much money these people are throwing at players, but, you know, if they're like, oh, look, here's 50 grand, can you do us a tweet? And I'm like, if you're tweeting garbage, um, then, you know, it's something to think about. Yeah. I, I don't... Like, I'm not... I don't necessarily even think that this stuff should be regulated, but I think... People should be smart about I agree. what they do yeah. and where they go. And NFT should not become a bad word. And as long as there's bad actors in here, and Sportimon Go may be a bad actor, we don't know. All we know is that they see trading. It's not a good look though for them. It's well, not a good look for them. No, look, no. Um, then it's something to think about. The Seattle Sounders have won the CONCACAF Champions League by beating Pumas in the second leg of the final 3 0. You know what's coming. Oh, there you go. There you go, Sanders. Uh, sorry, Pumas, you didn't send me a shirt. What am I supposed to do? Exactly. How big is this? This is huge, Gab. It's huge for MLS. It's huge for American football, of course, because there's been a domination from Mexican clubs in this competition. I think the last MLS team to win the, uh, the Champions League was the LA Galaxy in 2000. 22 years ago it was. 22 <laughs> years of domination from Mexico. And that was and like when MLS had like eight Costa Rica, teams. exactly. Yeah. Uh, and if you put that in context... Costa Rica, was it Deportivo Saprissa? Yeah, they won two years in a row, I think, mm. or four or five or something like that. But if you put that into context of the, the rivalry between Mexico, Mexican football in general and, and American football, uh, we saw with the national team in the Gold Cup, for example, and the, the USA, you feel are like making progress. And I think this also validates... I know it's not a national team and there's foreign players playing for, for the Sounders, of course, but this is progress too in that, kind of, in that balance between the two countries and the two leagues and the, the two footballs. Sets up the uh, merger nicely if yeah, and when it happens. Exactly. According to reports, the AFA, Gab, are considering scrapping three lions on a shirt, the song, because it's considered arrogant and replacing it with Sweet Caroline as the official England song when they play matches. Does that make sense to you? No, this is so stupid. stupid. I can't even... So, so stupid. England don't win anything. Why would we be offended with a song where you don't win anything? Right. Uh, that is a valid point. Uh, beyond that, if you actually... First of all, if you get offended by people shouting football coming home, <laughs> you're an idiot. Because this song... This song no is offended. about how England don't win anything and always let you down. That is literally what the song is about. Exactly. The song is tongue in cheek. But how can right? the FA think this is offensive I, I'm assuming, to look, others this is a and arrogant? In a tabloid newspaper. I'm having some fun with it. I'm hoping it's wrong. But let's get a look at the other side of it. We're going to replace this with Sweet Caroline. Now, I know that I, I was at the Euros at Wembley and the England fans singing it. Yeah, Mostly yeah. England fans who looked like rugby fans, I might add. But... 
Sweet Caroline has got nothing to do with England, nothing to do with English football. It, it was written by Neil Diamond, who not only is Neil Diamond not English, he's not even cool. Sorry, sorry, Neil, if you're watching. I mean, talented, whatever, right? But he is kind of like Mr. Lamezoid. When I was in school, you had Neil Diamond. Since when do you need an England song? You either do something spontaneous. Exactly. It's it's ridiculous. And you know what? I think England has enough of a musical history that they can find somebody to do a song that's not Neil Diamond. It's the Neil Diamond part that really annoys me. If you're the FA, why don't you focus on the football and on the pitch instead of thinking about the song and try to actually have your country win? Let's hope the story's wrong and that that's what they're actually doing. Surely, come on. Jules, that brings us to an end. We got to come back on Monday because... There, we got title races in Serie A, yes. title races in the Premier League. Some cup finals as well this weekend. Some cup finals too, yeah, that's right, once or twice. Good. Yeah, um, plenty going on. Join us on Monday. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash gabjewels now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels.